Well, it is my task today to not only introduce us to this sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, but then to get us going uh, into looking at this prayer. And so I actually have two scripture passages today, and we're going to begin, first of all, with Luke 11, verses 1 to 4. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. Now this is the word of God for the people of God. So as we begin uh, our study of the Lord's Prayer, and we see that there is this passage here in Luke chapter 11, we also have to understand that there is a similar passage that is found in Matthew chapter 6, that Jesus also teaches what we call the Lord's Prayer there in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, in one case, you know, he's just teaching in a crowd. And in the other case, he comes uh, and is praying by himself. And then the disciples ask, uh, please teach us how to pray. And so we don't really know the original context out of which this prayer arose. It may have been a, a situation in which Jesus taught this a lot because prayer is so fundamental to life in God. And I know as a teacher, if I've got some good material, I'm going to work it in as much as I can. And so the first thing to know is that we just don't know the original context in, in uh, exact terms. And yet we know Jesus taught this prayer. Now, the second thing to keep in mind about the Lord's Prayer is we also know this isn't the way that Jesus always prayed. In other words, when we look at the Gospels, we see lots of examples of Jesus praying. Uh, we see the, that great high priestly prayer in John. We see him uh, offering uh, prayers of intercession for healing. We even see a prayer from Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So if we go through the Gospels, there are lots of different ways that Jesus is actually praying. And so in this case, you know, it probably ought to better be called uh, the Lord's teaching on prayer than the Lord's prayer because Jesus, we know, prayed in many different ways and we have evidence of that. And finally, it's important as we look at the Lord's prayer and start this sermon series to realize as well that here in uh, Luke chapter 11, the disciples are coming to Jesus and they say to him, look, uh, we want you to teach us to pray the way John's disciples have been taught. So in other words, John taught his disciples, uh, say a particular prayer, pray a particular way. And the disciples are like, you know, Jesus, we watch you pray and you got a lot of power and we want that same kind of power in our lives. So teach us what we have to do to pray. And, you know, for you and I, it's not that much different. If someone said to us, okay, here, if you do this, 
I promise you that God will hear and respond to your prayer. So if someone said, you know, uh, what you need to do is close your eyes and bow your head, stand on one leg, jump up and down three times, and say your prayer, and God is sure to answer it, I guarantee you that every one of us would go home, and even if we did it in private, we would try that, because if God would answer our prayer like that, if there's a method for that, we would do it. But Jesus doesn't give the disciples a method or technique. What Jesus does is say to them, listen, prayer is about relationship and relationship with God. And so as he gives them this prayer, what he's really trying to say is this is what the kind of life and relationship to God looks like. This is what we are asking for when we pray. This is the nature of prayer, is that it is about the depths of our relationship to God. You, you want to be in relation to God? You think that you maybe aren't growing in God? Then you better be praying more than you are because prayer is the way that we set ourselves before God, not so that God will do what we're asking God to do, but so that instead we will be open to receive the life of God, to receive the mind of Christ, to be shaped into the person that God has created us to be. It's not about getting us to, getting God to do what we want so much as it is about uh, bending us and opening us to become vessels of God and to be in deeper and deeper relationship with God. So the first thing we need to keep in mind as we look at the Lord's Prayer is, is really Jesus teaching us about what it is to be in relationship with God in the depths of that kind of relationship. And so it falls to me this week to take the first phrase in this Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and to try and make sense of what Jesus is teaching as this opening to the Lord's Prayer. And the very first thing we've got to notice here is that it is the language of our. Jesus doesn't open by saying, my God, Forgive me, help me. It is immediately taking us into relationship. The first thing that this prayer says to us is that when we open ourselves to relationship with God, we are thus in relationship with all people and with all of creation. Everyone and everything belongs to God. And to be in relationship to God, to love God, is to think in terms of the well-being of everyone and everything just as God does. Our points us to a relationship that is more than just me. And then he uses this term, Father, our Father. Now, for some people, what it means is that the only way we should pray is to use this language of Father. But, of course, that would be a method. And there's really a lot more going on here than meets the eye. You know, in uh, ancient Judaism, you could not speak the name of God. They couldn't use what they thought to be God's name, Yahweh. And so all of their prayers used these other names, Adonai, Lord, or Elohim, God. Or, in the first century, they were prone in their ritual prayers to use the name of Father, which in Hebrew is Av. 
But the thing to understand here is that this word av in Hebrew, much like with many tribal people, isn't about a biological kind of father, but rather it's about anyone who provides that kind of nurture and care and love and formation that a father figure provides to the people, to uh, the children. We're children of God, and God offers us this kind of formation and this kind of care. And if you look at Jesus, in fact, a lot of times the language he uses in referring to God is the language of Abba, which really uh, is best translated as something like Daddy or Papa. It is a sign of intimacy. You know, when people uh, 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 call their uh, dad father, you know, there's like this impersonal thing there. Oh, father. You know, yeah, like, it's like daddy. You know, you walk up to your dad, daddy. And you know you already got his will bent toward, you know, hearing you. And so really what we're looking at here is not about the, the exact word to use, but about, again, that this is a relationship, that this is a God who wants to be in intimate relationship with us. If Jesus had used uh, the language in the Psalms of, of a rock, our rock. Well, that's not very personal. You know, I remember pet rocks back in the 70s, and as much as you wanted to pretend it was your pet, it was still a rock, and you couldn't be in much of a relationship. So as Jesus uses this language of of, of Father, what Jesus is saying is this is a God who wants to be in relationship with all of us. But the interesting thing here is as soon as Jesus puts before us this idea of being in this intimate, familial relationship with God and that prayer opens us to this very present and real God, the next thing that Jesus says is, who art in heaven, which is a way of saying to all of us, no matter how intimate and close this relationship with God is, don't ever forget that there's this immense mystery to God, that God is always beyond our capacity to know and understand, that we can't bring God down to our level because God is so much more than we can ever know, and we give thanks that that's the truth about God, that God is beyond what we can ever fully know or grasp, which is why we can spend a lifetime in the church, in prayer, in learning and growing about God. You know, Mary, you never stop learning something new about our God who is in heaven, who is in more than, than our little minds can ever grasp. I feel sorry for the people who believe that if they confess Christ is Lord, they have fullness of relationship with God, and that's it. Because to me, that is like people who go to the altar on their wedding day and recite their vows and say, well, that's it, that's the fullness of a marriage. Well, I'm here to tell you, and y'all know this, that a marriage is a lot more than just saying some vows at the altar. A marriage is about the day-to-day, -day, the living through the ups and the downs, the toothpaste caps, and all those kinds of things that really uh, 
it isn't enough just to make a claim. It is about a way of life and learning across a lifetime about who this is that we're in relationship to. And you all have had this experience, although some of you are only 20, you know. But when you have lived a long life and you've had friends for decades or you've had a, a spouse for decades or kids or whatever it may be, there is always this moment where you've been in this intimate relationship for such a long time and all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, I never knew that about you. I mean, I was on Facebook last week, and one of my friends up in Kansas City had said that she and her husband, had, who'd been married 20 or 25 years, had gone to a drive-in movie. And she was surprised to find out that it was the first time he'd ever been to a drive-in. And she's like, I've been married to you all these years, and I never knew that. There are always things that we are discovering when we are in relationship with someone and allowing that relationship to grow and deepen. And if that is true of our physical relationships, how much more so with God? If we ever believe that we understand the fullness of God, we're just fooling ourselves, we're letting our human condition take over because God has so much more to reveal to us as we place ourselves before God in prayer. And then comes this last phrase, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed holy be thy name. And Jesus is saying, you know, we have this God who is ever so close in a relationship. We have this God who is mystery and is always revealing new things to us. But most of all, this is a holy God. This is God, and we are not. God is perfect in love. God is perfect in righteousness. God is perfect in mercy. God is perfect in compassion. God is perfect in patience, and we are not. And the only way to begin to come close to some of these perfections is in and through our relationship to God. And so often we forget in our day-to-day -day existence all the good things that God is providing in our lives day in and day out. We get caught up in, you know, these little things that are happening or we, you know, are on a, a roll and we don't really need God. And all the time God is there providing for us and offering us the kind of life that we can't have any other way. This is where I turn to now, Psalm 103. You know that the Psalms are the prayer book of the Bible. These are the prayers of the people of Israel. Jesus would have prayed these prayers and known them well. And sometimes they are prayers uh, for the king, and sometimes they are prayers for help, and sometimes they are prayers to get that enemy, and sometimes uh, they are prayers of uh, worship and just delighting in God. And sometimes, like this one, they are prayers of thanksgiving to God for who God is. When we look at this psalm, it reminds us of who God is and what Jesus is trying to tell us about this God, that we should bless God's holy name and not forget all of God's benefits. Next slide. 
that God forgives our iniquity, that God heals our diseases, that God rescues our life from the pit, that God crowns us with steadfast love and mercy, that God satisfies us with good as long as we live, and that our youth is renewed like the eagle's wings. The Lord works vindication and justice for all those who are oppressed. He doesn't accuse. God doesn't keep anger forever, does not deal with us according to our sins, does not repay us in the way that we ought to be repaid. So great is God's steadfast love toward those who fear, honor, stand in awe of, want to place ourselves before this God, that no matter what, God is for us and our God stands with us. You see, so often, you and I, we have this tendency to forget what God is doing in our lives all the time. And whether we're in a really good place or whether we're in a place that struggle, God is still providing this source, this depth, this graciousness to each and every one of us. We can turn our backs on God, but God is still going to be there providing for us day by day. I invite all of us in this week ahead during our devotional time, or if we don't have one, to start a devotional time in which we pray every day this Psalm 103 and we remember and get clear in our minds who God is and how grateful we should be to God for all these blessings that are really upon us and how easy it is for us to forget what God is doing for us, has done, and will continue to do in our lives. That's the depths of relationship. Now for the, uh, you know, I don't see the title of this sermon on the slide. But the title of this sermon is Bookends. And you may be like, what in the world does Bookends, that picture, have anything to do with the Lord's Prayer and what you're talking about? And it is this. God is the beginning and the end. God is our source and our destination. God is there before we breathe our first breath, and God is there after we have breathed our last. God is the Alpha and Omega. God is that which serves in our lives as this pair of bookends that holds everything together, that keeps us straight, that allows us to stand no matter what is going on. God is serving as the, as the two sides, the Alpha and Omega of everything that we are and will be and hope to be. If we take God, those bookends, out of the equation, all we will do is fall and be scattered and unable to stand and continue. This 
is what Jesus is trying to get us to open ourselves to. This is the one that Jesus wants us to be in relation to day in and day out. This God, our, everybody's father in intimate relation. This, our pair of bookends who holds everything together for us, who art in heaven, who is mystery and is more than you or I can ever get our hands around, and who is holy, hallowed. God is God, and we are not. And when we open ourselves to that sustaining love and power of God, that's where the depth of life comes. And so we pray as those who have prayed for thousands of years for God's presence, for God's mystery, and for us to remember and celebrate the goodness of God for all of us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit,